You're listening to a special edition of Midori House, broadcast live from the Salona de Mobile in Milan on the 14th of April 2019 on Monocle 24. Midori House is brought to you in association with Hyundai. Live from the Salone de Mobile in Milan, you're listening to a special edition of Midori House. We've been celebrating this city's liveliest week with a series of special broadcasts. Today, we turn our attention to the concept of style as we unpack how different ideas speak to the various disciplines of design. I'll be joined by a panel of fascinating personalities at this year's Milan Design Week for 30 minutes of fresh ideas and clever thinking. That's ahead on this special edition of Midori House, live from the Salone de Mobile, starting now. Lucas, welcome to Midori House. Now, Andlight was born in Canada. Tell us about the genesis of the company. I started my own studio shortly after and had some success with lighting uh, as my own studio. Um, some of the pieces were included in the Vitra um, exhibition in Milan that year, uh, as well as some are now produced by uh, another company. Uh, through that production um, and being in the lighting uh, world at that point, I met my two business partners now, uh, Matt Davis and Kane Heinzman. Um, they both had experience in the lighting industry in different fields and uh, we became close and decided that maybe we should try our hand at our own lighting company. Um, and then shortly after we just started and now it's five years later. So that was back in 2013. How easy has <coughs> it been to establish yourself within what I imagine is quite a closed industry? Uh, yes, it is. Um, after a lot of discussion initially, we decided we had to come up with what kind of lighting company we wanted to be first of all. Um, create a DNA and identity, uh, then create the product line to fit and um, through uh, Matt Davis's help, my partner, uh, he has a lot of in, uh, knowledge within the lighting industry from the sales side, from the business side. So through his help, uh, through uh, my help on the design, as long as along with uh, Kane Heinzman, also a designer, uh, we were able to sort of come up with a strategy to the market we wanted to um, be in, as well as how to best achieve that. Um, and yeah, we just had we've had quite a lot of success uh, in North America. Uh, of course, that's where we're based, and that was the market we wanted to uh, get into first. Uh, and now, last year was our first showing uh, overseas in Milan. Uh, since then, we've shown in London twice, and now our first time at Euroluce, uh, which is our, our you know big step into the European market and uh, the market we want to explore next. So, without giving away <coughs> any trade secrets, when you talk about mm -hmm. deciding what your strategy is, sure. what is it? What is the ethos behind the company? Uh, the basic idea for Anlight is we are a decorative luminaire company. Uh, everything we make is LED based. We feel like that's the the way forward uh, currently. Um, every light that we make is functional in saying that that it provides light, it dims, it uh, it changes the environment, and it can change within the environment throughout the day. Uh, we don't want to position ourselves as purely decorational, that it's a sculpture with some sort of light source, uh, but definitely that it's functional, usable, and uh, yeah. And so is this mostly business to business, or are you marketing yourself to, to individual consumers as well? Uh, a bit of both. So within North America, we, we have about 28 dealers across uh, 
across the country. And um, we also ship uh, direct, like in new markets such as Europe at this point. Uh, we are building a new network within Europe due to the show, so in the next couple of weeks we should have some more information on that. Um, and then as far as uh, other markets like uh, Japan or Africa, uh, we can ship direct to that as well. Your uh, schedule sounds punishing. I mean, you're here, then you're <coughs> in New York, you're in Mexico, you're all over the world. I mean, this is a real push mm -hmm. to get global recognition for the company. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, par partially uh, because we're based in Vancouver, which is a beautiful place, but quite isolated from this industry. Um, so it is uh, necessary to, to do these things, to get exposure, to get in front of people, uh, as well as show the product, show that it works, show that it dims, show that it, uh, the quality of it and really communicate the brand that way. Uh, the internet's great, you can do many things on it, but ultimately when you're selling a product, you need to show somebody, they need to see it, they need the confidence in you as a brand. And um, but yeah, it's a lot of travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your product, products are, are timeless <coughs> in form, but with a, a touch of playfulness. Mm, what would you, you say inspires that element of whimsy? Um, I tend to see products as, uh, of course, functional and, and refined, but I also see them as having to have a personality, something that draws the, the viewer in, some, the, some reason that they want to uh, you know, uh, interact with it or have it in their own uh, environment. And uh, yeah, I, I try to sort of use details like uh, electrical cords that are necessary in the design but not always wanted in general, but to not try to hide it, but to embellish it or uh, using textures or materials to sort of add a different uh, sensual touch for instance um, and then of course different color palettes or these types of things but yeah ultimately as a creative as a designer I strongly feel that if uh, if you're gonna make something you have to make something new mm. it needs to be a step in a different direction and I feel by having a playful side to that you can sort of create that personality and that differential uh, aspect than other brands, other products. And it's really interesting that you use that word personality because <coughs> as a consumer what you're buying from mm -hmm. your lighting designer is that kind of personality because how your room is lit mm -hmm. it kind of lays out your stall so to speak. That That's kind of who you are. This is how you want to be seen through that illumination. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let's um, talk about your manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. So where, where, are your, where are your products actually made? Uh, the majority of our stuff is currently made in North America, uh, within Canada, United States. Uh, of course, we have some elements that are shipped from other parts of the world. Um, but uh, the, the main thing, I'm not necessarily partial to a certain uh, uh, market, but the main thing is that w the quality needs to be high and by doing it locally we can interact with the vendors easily we can communicate our needs uh, they can communicate the technical side of the processes uh, and by doing that we can we can maintain a high quality um, sometimes the price is a bit higher but in the end of the day it's about the product mm. uh, product first uh, as well as being a smaller company um, it allows us to have a little bit more control over the the shipments uh, as well, we can get it finished uh, locally, like uh, painted, powder-coated, uh, plated, anodized, these types of things, which again sort of help us with the, the flow of the, of the product and the orders. Now, you talked about using LED, <coughs> and I know in Britain the rules have, have recently changed about what kind of light bulbs are available sure. in Britain, and it's all about sustainability. How sustainable is your company? How eco-friendly? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we try to do the best we can. Um, most of our products are made with natural materials, raw materials, aluminum, things that can be recycled. Um, we try to build them in a way that uh, is, is very clean and pure, but disassemble is possible. So if it needs to be recycled at the end of the day, it can be. Uh, and then, of course, the LED element in the uh, environmentally friendly aspect of mm -hmm. saving mm -hmm. the energy. Are you seeing many sort of current trends in lighting design at the moment? Uh, in a sense, yes. Uh, being at the show, uh, seeing a lot of uh, other companies from around the world and what they're doing, um, I try to see trends as things I mm, sort of to avoid in a sense. Uh, I feel like also being isolated within Canada uh, physically is a sort of a positive thing for me. I, I feel like I'm able to sort of create uh, my own work that's maybe less influenced by things that are going on and ultimately trying to create a long-lasting product that you know everybody hopes will be a classic uh, of, of, of types but um, you know it's trends and hype and these things for me are something to sort of avoid and uh, steer clear of yeah and why would you need a trend when you're making such fantastic lights <laughs> yourself thank you Lucas thanks so much and lights Lucas Pete uh, who's been joining us here on this special edition of Midori House now, our next guest is the founder of Stella Works, a luxury furniture firm with a difference. The brand aims to blend original style with premium materials without necessarily adding a sky-high price tag. Monocle's Daphne Karnitsis asks Yuchiro Hori how it all works. The reason I'm living in Shanghai, I'm living in Shanghai for nearly 20 years now. And the reason I'm living there is because my factory, I founded my factory in Shanghai. Because originally, I was supposed to found my factory and furniture business in Japan, but the difficult point is it's very hard to hire the workers, especially younger people, very hard to find the younger good quality workers. And, and but when, when I saw the China, lots of young generation, like 25 years or 20 years old, but amazingly, he has like a more than 10 years or 15 years woodwork experience or metalwork experience, because they grow up with like a wood business, like with a family. So I was very surprised and I decided to move to Shanghai and found my factory. It was 2008 and the Stella Works is a brand name. We found it in 2012 and we launched in Milan. At that time we know nothing about Milan, but we just think it's important to be in Milan. So we found this one gallery and launched here and the Stella Works as a, the brand from Asia. Was it important for you to produce your products, your items, in your own factory rather than outsourcing? Is that an important part of, of what you do? The Stellawas collection, everything are produced in-house, ourselves, and in our factory, and we never outsource um, because of our quality control and also manufacturing. It's important to show our craftsmanship. So uh, we never hide, uh, we want to say made in Shanghai instead of made in China, because Shanghai has a diversity and uh, lots of contrast in the uh, international city, but still good for manufacturing. And uh, Stellamax has lots of handmade detailing that handmade, we, we have to make by hands. That's uh, very hard to do in Japan nowadays because of uh, cost and also the workers. Lots of Japanese technician. The good technician means like a good machine operator. It's normal handmade things, to be honest, especially furniture. That's important to show the craftsmanship from Shanghai. And that's why, yeah, I'm proud to say we are from Shanghai. 
So do you think that in a way there are some commonalities, some common threads between China and Italy in a way in mm. terms of what you were saying about uh, skills and know-how and being passed on from generations and family-owned mm. craft businesses? Is that something that you've sp spotted? I think uh, China, many people think that China is more mass production and a cheaper product. And actually what I found uh, in China was um, lots of Chinese workers or technicians, they have a very good hands, very good skills. But the, maybe the main concern is the owner of a factory. They don't want to go to like uh, exclusive or the handmade things. They prefer to go for mass production because sometimes worker is not stable. So maybe it's easy for, to, for them to go for mass production. And that's also one of the business. But with Stellarworks, we really respect our Chinese workers or young people, their craftsmanship. So we want to stay in opposite side and showing something from Asian crafts. Because of this reason, so many workers, they have a good skills, but sometimes lack of knowledge or lack of conscience for detailing because nobody asked them to do for detailing. But once we train, once they know the standards, they are really, it's quick learning and also easily to understand because they are not learning from, from the school. So they are learning like by hands from father or family. So when they touch the woods, Amazing, they, f they can say, oh, when I touch the wood, they can say, oh, the moisture contents, oh, this is like a 15% or this is a 10%. Cause Things that you can't really learn in a textbook. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really, it's a great help for us. And that's normal, you know, with Japanese, it's normal existing. We lost in the past. That's why that's important. We bring the know-how of factory operation or quality control from Japan and my business partner is a French company so lots of technique the way we make we brought from France so the Shanghai factory of Stellarworks is kind of a hybrid factory. That's really interesting and how important is it for you to collaborate with designers such as Tom Faraday which mm -hmm. you're collaborating with now mm -hmm. from different parts of the world what yeah. are you looking for in the people that you collaborate with and to what extent do you give them creative freedom or give them a specific brief? Yeah, lots of aspect. The first thing is Tom Faraday. The reason we collaborate is because we got offer from Lancroford. The Lancroford is one of the best luxury department store in Asia. And our Stella Works, we want to be the leading brand from Asia, but also we need to show something from Asia. Right? So that's a good reason we collaborate with Lancroford. We both are from Asia. And also Tom is a winning our designer from Lancroford brand. So we decided to, to accept this offer and the first launch is today to celebrate. And the other thing is a designer, to how to select a designer. That's a good example. So, you know, when I, when I launched Stellarworks in 2012, that was very hard. It's, it's very hard to, to say, I don't know, because lots of top designers, they just hesitate to provide a design to China because we are we are manufacturing in Shanghai, so it's, it's hard to convince them because they don't know what the manufacturing is. But nowadays, after uh, six years, they recognize, they understand what we're doing now. So we got lots of offers. So positioning has been changed. We are very lucky and appreciate. And now we are doing is, I'm not selecting the designer with a name, but I'm, I'm just want to work with a designer who understand our brand DNA and our brand DNA, the first is, like I said, 
the handmade craft. Everything must be like a handmade craft detailing. But also design must be timeless. So we are not looking for the trend. So design shouldn't be too much trend, but more like a timeless, sustainable. So even 100 years, this design must be accepted, right? So that's why I need to, I need to work carefully. And also some of the designer, they have their own style. But I want, I want them to be a little bit flexible to work the best design for my brand DNA. So your brand DNA, some of the values, as you said, focus on handmade, not too trend-led. To someone who might not have seen your products, how would you describe the aesthetic? It's a lot of handmade already. It's, it's, it's very hard to show from Europe because we have a factory in France, but that's... a production environment or like a cost it's it's very hard to to go everything by hands yeah so the way we're producing as it's already asian aesthetics but also the material we are using or wood structure we are doing it's a typical asian traditions so we have lots of essence not only the design people have certain image of made in china product like a mass production piece but to be honest, the Chinese craftsmen has a lots of good skills and very hard. Is there a specific area of craft that you'd say they're more known for, as, such as woodwork or carpentry, or is it something yeah, else? China is so big, so different village, every village has a different skills. The porcelain or metal woodwork is different. But Chinese technicians, they have a very good skill. And I would say that also nowadays, China, there are lots of innovation that's happening, especially like, our, like Internet of Things or like lots of new innovation with technology. So we are also learning. And China is not only manufacturing, so they bring lots of new lifestyle. So next step for me is how to connect with this kind of new lifestyle on the furniture. Because furniture, it's, it's, it's always thinking what, what, how to bring the innovation on the furniture business. It's very hard. Some of the company they're making the same furniture from 200 years ago, but the lifestyles are changing. So I'm always thinking how to bring the innovation. And in China, I'm learning a lot from this city. Another specific changes or trends or patterns that you're seeing in, as you say, the... The yeah. way that people live, is there something in specific yeah, that, yeah, you're, example, that you like can a, pick out? Yeah, for example, let's say, simple thing, a bedside table, right? Night table next to your bed. Everybody's making a bed, uh, like a bedside table. But, for example, we are making the bedside table with a cableless charger inside of a tabletop. So it looks like nothing, but inside we have cableless charger. Because a phone, the sooner or later, will be cableless. So when you put the phone on the table, because you are, you are, you're using the phone before sleeping and you want to put... We are guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, and also like a new technology China. And when you go to cafeteria, there is a QR code on the tabletop. So you don't need to call the waiter. You just scan QR code and you can order on your phone like a two cafe latte. And you just click it and automatically pay. And also kitchen side, kitchen recognize, or like a table number six two cafe latte ordered, and they will bring it. And it's paid already. So you don't need any conversation. You don't need to queue up. But that's like our new lifestyle they're creating. And that is Yuchichu Hori of Stellarworks speaking to Daphne Karnitz. It's what absolute bliss not having to have any conversation with anyone ever. 
You're listening to a special edition of Midori House, live from Salone de Mobile in Milan, as this magnificent occasion comes to a close. We've been broadcasting all week from the heart of Tortona, amidst all the celebrations that take place alongside what is the world's largest furniture fair. My next guest knows a good chair when she sees one. As a buyer at Milan's Nilofar Gallery, she brings a sharp eye to the art of curation. Virginia Lucarelli, welcome to Midori House. Thank you for having us. Um, what does Nilofar mean? Uh, Nilofar is actually the name of the gallery I've been working in for the past two years. It has been founded by Mrs. Yashar, or Nina, as everyone in the field calls her. Um, and the, the meaning of the word is lotus flower. Um, it reminds to Mrs. Yashar's Persian roots, and it's actually the name of her sister as well. Um, so the, the company, Nulafa has its own manifesto composed of three words, discovering, crossing, creating. And I wonder if you could unpack that for us. So we start with discovering. So I would say these three key words are actually the best way to summarize Mrs. Yasha's unique vision of design. So everything for her starts with research. The research is carried on in every possible way. She's extremely curious, and what we've been doing at the gallery is actually looking for new talents, new languages, new way of telling stories. So this, um, this happens both in the um, vintage market, because we deal with both vintage and contemporary pieces, and also with uh, new contemporary designers that we select and we decide to work with exclusively. So everything starts with the research, and then at some point um, she adds this incredible, unique, um, sharp eye, and she uh, puts together things in a very unexpected way. So Crossing is actually uh, the name of two exhibitions that the gallery um, held in uh, 1999 and 2000, and it's a sort of a way of saying that everything needs to be intersected and overlapped, so um, what we do at the gallery is actually mixing contemporary and vintage pieces together at the same time. So sometimes people that come in inside the gallery, they don't even understand whether a piece is actually a vintage or a new one uh, because of the languages are incredibly overlapped. Mm -hmm. So um, the last word, creating, creating yeah. is actually related to um, what we do. So at the end of this research process and at the end of this um, crossing languages and crossing cultures that we try to express every day, we're actually creating new um, scenarios, new environments where our designers are, are free to express themselves and at the same time where our, the pieces of our collection have the possibility to communicate and create um, new conversations with each other. Mm. Now you talk about your designers, how many designers do you have and where are they based? Uh, we're currently collaborating with 40-50 uh, designers, so quite a lot. They come from all over the world. Um, we have quite a lot of Italian designers we work with, but also from UK, France, uh, the Netherlands, Belgium, US, everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and the gallery is, uh, is actually moving, as, as you were saying earlier, from, from a focus on vintage to contemporary. Why that shift? Is it simply because vintage stuff just isn't that available any longer? 
Um, no, I would say it's actually a result of a very long uh, research process because actually uh, the first venue of the gallery opened up in 1979 and it was just dedicated to carpets, antique and rare carpets because that was Mrs. Yasha's family business. Then at some point um, during her research and her trips, she fell in love with um, Swedish carpet and from that point she started to investigate what was going on in Scandinavia. So suddenly she decided to shift her attention, not only to carpet, but to design pieces. Mm -hmm. So from the last, I mean, yeah, the last 20 years, um, we've been working with uh, pieces um, of uh, different types, I mean, um, vintage pieces, furniture and carpet. And then at some point something else happened because she met a contemporary designer who's uh, Martino Gamper. It was 2007, back at the time. Um, she thought that it was brilliant and she started to desire to work together with him and create something new, something that wasn't existing um, at the time. So for the past 12 years, we've been continuing to work with vintage pieces, but at the same time, we, are started, we started to uh, produce and edit um, new contemporary pieces that designers are doing for us, mm -hmm. only for us. And does Mrs. Yasha herself do any of the design? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, but she's actually quite involved in the design process. She likes to have um, she likes to have a direct relationship with the designer. I would say it's a conversation. Uh, so everything we produce needs to speak about the designer, but it's also important the speaks about the gallery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a uh, yeah, it's a two-way conversation, I would say. So tell me then about the specific types of pieces that you have, because I know obviously chairs are a very big part of this, and carpets sure. too, but you're talking about general interiors. Yes, we actually have a very wide range of furniture, uh, from tables to chairs to bookshelves. I mean, everything that could actually be... Um, be placed into a domestic environment, so uh, everything related to the furniture realm. Um, what we've been doing until now, I mean for the past year, is actually a bit different. So um, this year at Salone del Mobile we presented an exhibition which is actually more like an ongoing project called FAR, um, that Mrs. Yasha co-curated together with Studio Vedette, Valentina Ciuffi. And it's a research, again, uh, towards a different direction that design is taking. So it's not too much about the function of the object, but it's more about the process of making the object. So the pieces that we are exhibiting um, at Nilufar Depot, which is one of the two uh, venues of the, of the gallery, are um, pieces where the attention and the focus is very much into the making, the manufacturing. So the designers are more interested into the process, the material, the texture, the way that the object presents itself to the public more than their function. So this is kind of a new approach for us. It was uh, quite a big shift. Um, so the intention is not to leave anything behind. So we are continuing to deal with vintage pieces, of course, with the contemporary designer we've been working for the past 20 years and then also to look at the future and look for new young designers and trying to understand what's, you know, what's the new way to, to make projects mm. 
and uh, what's the direction that design is, is going to. So this focus on the making seems to echo something I've been seeing a lot of here at Salone de Mobile, which is all about sustainability. Uh, and my last guest was talking about that mm -hmm. too. And it just does seem to be, if there is one thrust that is running through this, everybody is looking at how they're making things and how they can do it in a way that is not detrimental to the planet and is actually using materials that are sustainable. Yes, I think that's definitely a big topic. Um, and that's something that really interests us. So we've been trying to use all the material that our designers use. Uh, we are trying to investigate what's the best way to optimize. And for example, Martino Gamper was one of the first designers that actually worked in that direction, uh, recycling material or using material that was already, already used before. And most of the designers that we are exhibiting at FAR are actually going in that direction. So uh, the process and working uh, the, the material in a specific new way is, is the reason why they've been selected, because they're exploring different ways, uh, different languages and different, um, different approach to the project. So that's definitely something we, we are trying to investigate as well. Mm. And um, I would say that another important aspect for them is also um, the fact that these objects uh, can be put inside a domestic environment, but they don't present themselves as, you know, a table or a chair. So this is something that we are we are trying to to understand and to explore mm. in a different way. So far was one of the projects that you were involved with here, but the other was new sculptural presence. Tell us about that. So at the same time at the Nilufra de Po, we exhibited we are exhibiting two different two different exhibitions, and the second one has been co-curated with Libby Sellers. She's a design curator based in London, and the exhibition design is by uh, Patricia Urquiola. So it's a completely different approach, once again, because it's the first exhibition that uh, Nilufar is hosting um, regarding sculpture. So it never happened before, because design has always been her realm. Um, but now the vision is also um, to look at different ways of expressions and art and sculpture is definitely an interesting one. Um, Libby Sellers and Nina actually selected uh, three artists. They're very different from their approach to, to the sculpture world, uh, but they're super interesting because their background is, is very much visible and readable in their, in their works. Mm. So what will you take away from Salerno de Mobile? Were you, were you here to get inspiration or to make sure that people know that you are here, that you exist? I would say both. Uh, I think it's important to be inspired every day, to do research, so it's a great opportunity for the gallery to meet people from all over the world. Designers come to present themselves and to propose new projects, which of course for us it's, it's very important. But at the same time it's also a super important scenario to present what we've been doing. Um, of course we, we are doing a lot of international events like uh, fairs, um, but you know Milan it's, it's our city and we really want to highlight and enhance what's going on here so I think it's, it's really important for us. Virginia thank you so much that is Virginia Lucarelli who is from Nullifar Gallery and just to wind up I want to have a quick word with my producer Ben Ryland who's been sitting by my side uh, for this whole time here at Salone de Mobile uh, and uh, he has been 
clearly observing everything that's been going on. He's been listening to our guests and doing a lot of the interviews too. Uh, ben, as we come to the end of this, what's been your overall impression? I have been utterly, utterly shocked at how this carnival atmosphere has absolutely taken over Milan. And I think if you were an outsider who's never been to an event like Salerno, you might think, oh, you know, it's just for those people who have fully embraced with the design world and really have to be a design nerd, so to speak, to really understand it. But no, the entire city comes to life. It's, a, it's an absolute festival, and it just shows that design isn't just for a few. It's actually for absolutely everyone. Absolutely, and very inspiring. Have you found yourself wanting to completely redecorate I know I have absolutely and I look I don't want to say anything nasty against Ikea whatsoever but being here has made me think I would really like to upgrade every item of my house that is from Ikea I feel like I really want to upgrade to something that's a little bit more bespoke and look that might be a bit of a long term project but that's okay I've got a while to go yeah uh, and just finally Ben there have been so many wonderful programs we've made here with all sorts and people can listen back to all of those on the archive can't they they can indeed Monocle 24 indeed so that's all from this year's Salone de Mobile. Thanks very much to our guests, Lucas Pete, Yuchiri Hori, Virginia Lucarelli, and to all the fabulous people we've spoken to over the past week, and the many more who've passed by our pop-up station here in Tortona. Today's show was produced by Ben Ryland. Our studio managers were David Stevens and Christy Evans here in Milan, and Sarah Miles at the controls back in London. Midori House returns in its usual format tomorrow, 1800 London time. I'm Georgina. So long from Salone.